What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, welcome in, welcome into the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, Thursday edition. Patrick Allen here, as always, joined by my good pal, the blog father, Adam Best this week, uh, stepping in for me. How you doing, man? Doing excellent. Chiefs are off the schneid, feeling pretty good about the defense. As we all learned last year, uh, you worry about this offense getting there by the end of the season at your own peril, and the year before, for that matter. So uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, I saw you were. I saw your retweet of the Mina Kimes segment on First Take. Which congratulations to Mina, by the way. I've, I haven't been paying attention. I didn't realize she was pregnant. That's awesome. Uh, but she, she's she's still putting in the work. And she went on there and basically said, you know, they were talking about the Chiefs and oh, the Bengals. You put the Bengals ahead of the Chiefs in the AFC. And like, look, like I get it. That's what you got to do this time of year. You got to you got to evaluate things as you see them right now. But she was like, yeah, it's a yearly tradition. I like coming on here and telling people like to just discount the Chiefs at their own peril. And she rightfully pointed out how good the defense has been. Yeah, not just these last two games, especially the last game, but the tail end of last season heading into the playoffs, which is kind of the ritual for Spags. But uh, I think this is even more promising than usual. I mean, they're not, the defense is never good this time of year. It's usually a, a huge debacle. And yeah, the media whether it's politics or sports, they love a horse race and Miami is the shiny new object. And I get it. Miami's sexy. Uh, the speed that they have on that team is, is sexy. It's something that we haven't talked about before because the Bengals and the bills are kind of yesterday's news. And this is the new like villain in the, in the rogues gallery of villains that, that they have to prop up to make the chiefs saga uh, more su- uh, suspenseful, right? Yeah, it's it is what it is, right? I mean, it's they have to have something to talk about, and you can't just you don't you're gonna have a very short show if every time you're talking about what's going on in the NFL, you're like, yeah, well, you know, look, everything good, all roads go through Arrowhead, and yeah, this team's good, but they're not as good as the Chiefs. Like, if you just say that on repeat over and over again, no, nobody's gonna watch. All the other fan bases are gonna get mad. So I don't have a problem when they talk about how good other teams are. But what, what the trap that they always fall into is that the Chiefs are the standard, right? And so they always have to do the comparison game instead of just like, just, hey, just focus on those other teams. Like, yeah, the Dolphins are great. They're really explosive on offense. You know, let's talk about them. Let's talk about how good they are. They're going to win their division. And then like, but like, let's save the overreactions. Where the, and then the other thing that they do that drives me nuts as a Chiefs fan 
is anytime the Chiefs show even the slightest weakness, they act like they've never seen this team play football before. And that's like, that's what drives me crazy. Like, oh, hey, the Chiefs, you know, they don't, they're not scoring a lot of points on offense. They're garbage. And it's like, hold on. Like, we've seen the worst stretch of Patrick Mahomes' career a couple years ago. Is he broken? Like, yeah, was he broken? Saying just, just, you don't have to take it to like such an absurd extreme. I guess we're all prone to it once in a while, but for goodness sake. But why don't they just say this? That winning a Super Bowl, even for a dynasty or a near dynasty like the Patriots and like the Chiefs are becoming with the best best coach, with the best quarterback, it's very difficult, even in that situation, because you've got 31 other teams gunning for you. About 10 of them are are pretty all in on winning a Super Bowl and have a lot of those teams have good quarterbacks, a lot going for them in, in their in their coaching staff. And then you have injury luck variance the 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 bounces of the balls all that stuff so the chiefs can be the best team for the entire regular season and still not win the super bowl there there is enough intrigue as long as these other teams are close enough on their best day to beat the chiefs and and i think the dolphins are i think the bills are i think well we'll see about the Bengals. they might not even be a playoff team but that's all they have to say yeah absolutely agreed and uh it Look, if you're taking the field or the Chiefs for the Super Bowl every year, you should be taking the field. Like that's just <laughs> that's just the way the NFL works. But uh, it, it's a it's a mark of just how incredible the Chiefs have been that when you do when you say it something like that, you kind of think like mm, I need to at least think about this. Um, hey, before we get into we got to preview the Bears game. We got a lot of great content for you. We're going to talk about the team, the Chiefs season so far before we get into all that i gotta let you know chiefs fans DraftKings has upped their sign up offer to kick off the football season new users can place a five dollar bet instantly to claim a two hundred dollar bonus bet plus up to 150 dollars back in bonus bets if your team loses all you have to do is sign up with our code arrowhead uh using our code arrowhead not only gets you these great bonuses but also directly supports our podcast. That's true. It's really important. If you've been considering signing up with DraftKings, make sure you use our code Arrowhead to maximize your first bets. Their offers only valid to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in a legal gambling state. So please remember to always gamble responsibly and check out the episode description for the full terms of offer uh, and to see if you qualify. Appreciate your support. All right, look, Adam, I was, you know, obviously we want to preview Bears, Chiefs. We got to talk about the Bears. They're just a, like a dumpster fire right now. But I wanted to ask you about the Chiefs defense. We, we've been talking about it. As you, as you pointed out with the Mina Kimes clip, and Mina's always prepared, and she always knows her stuff. She went back to last year and said, you know, this was a top 10 defense down the stretch. You know, they got Trent McDuffie rocking and rolling. Now, he's been spectacular this year. They were good, uh, quite good, in the game against Detroit. Detroit is an explosive offense. I think they turned around and scored 30 points a week after they played the Chiefs. Lost in overtime to Seattle, I think. Then Chris Jones comes back. And they go a whole other level against a really good offense and a really good – like you could say, at least you can say, and this is all due respect to Jared Goff, who's been playing well for the Lions, but Trevor Lawrence, if you're picking quarterbacks, right, you want you want a guy like Trevor Lawrence over a guy like Jared Goff. And the Chiefs just really shut that offense down as well. So it's two games. Just like we don't want the media to overreact to some struggles that the Chiefs have. Are we overreacting as fans about this defense after only two games? Do you think that they're for real? We might be overreacting a little bit. I think just because of the history of the Chiefs, uh, now we're known as this offensive juggernaut. But through many of our lifetimes, uh, 
this city hung its hat on on defense, on running backs, on things of that nature. So I just think this city has a yearning for a dominant defense. Uh, and, and that may cause us to overrate the defense a little bit, but I do think they are an ascending defense and that this has a chance to be the, the uh, best defense Mahomes has ever played with. And he doesn't need a top five defense. What he needs to win a title is about a top 12 defense by the time the playoffs arrive. That's it. Yeah. You give him that, he's probably going to deliver a Lombardi. So I thought they were pretty good against the Lions, but you saw you saw some weakness there. You saw two drives. Now, one was aided by going for a punt on their own 18-yard line, which is nuts, but that's how people play against the Chiefs. But the other in the fourth quarter, it was just way too easy for Jared Goff and the Lions, and that's where I thought they needed Chris Jones. Chris Jones shows up down by the goal line, and in the fourth quarter, you have your closer, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I think are a better team than the Detroit Lions. I think they have a better coach, a better quarterback. Uh, I think they have a better set of, of skill weapons. Now, the defense might be worse, but uh, and, and the Chiefs held them out of the end zone. So very promising. I, I think we need a little bit more time before we know what the ceiling is. But you pointed out Trent McDuffie. Trent McDuffie is the other constant here, uh, really the biggest constant here during that second half of, the, of last season and then the start of this season. I pointed out yesterday, he's at 16 games started or played in his career. He hasn't even played a full professional season yet, yet, and he has been the real difference maker for this defense. Yeah, he's been spectacular, and it it's that domino effect that happens, right? You, you get you look pretty good in week one, and some of your pass rushers, like Carl Loftus is flashing, FAU's flashing, that's great. And then you bring Chris Jones back, and they're giving Trevor Lawrence all kinds of problems. It's the same thing with Trent McDuffie for the rest of the secondary. It's a it's a young and talented secondary. And when you have that one sort of player that I don't I'm maybe a little hesitant to call McDuffie dominant just yet, but he's he's playing a pretty damn good brand of football right now for the Chiefs. And and look, defense is tough in the NFL. Almost impossible to play, to be consistently great at defense. Even elite defenses like the 49ers will go into a week against a team and give up 30 points all of a sudden. It's just the the rules are tilted against you. It's not like it was. And look, hey, as Chiefs fans, we had history of that defense used to be our calling card, you know, in the 90s. So we know we know what it's like. And I, it's, I'd much rather have the offense and a mid defense than an elite uh, than be in a situation we were in the 90s where we just didn't really have a quarterback and and all those types of things. By the way, you're listening to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. If you're just joining us, if you're watching on YouTube, do me a favor. Hit that like button. There's uh, about 52 of you right now out there. Hit that like button. I want to see 52 likes. Hit the like button if you think Patrick Mahomes will win the MVP this year. Uh, don't have to do a good start on that on that front, but there's a long way to go. And if you're uh, listening to us uh, via audio, we appreciate you. Um, make sure you leave us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. So, I wanted to talk a little bit about the players that have surprised us the most so far on this defense. And let us know in the chat, if you're watching live on YouTube, uh, which, which, which players have surprised you the most? Which ones have, do you think have been the biggest part of this sort of mini defensive renaissance that the Chiefs are having? And I'll kind of kick us off here, Adam, give you a moment to think about yours. For me, uh, the one name that I didn't expect uh, to be saying a lot or talking a lot about this year is Leo Chennault. Uh, particularly in that Jaguars game, I was watching him and he was just all over the place. 
he seems to have really made that leap that you hope a, a young player, a raw prospect, as he kind of was when he came to Kansas City, can make. Now, they immediately trusted him, and he was getting playing time right away. But now I see him reading the offense correctly, making the right plays. He's always in the mix. A little bit like early Nick Bolton, where you were kind of like, this guy, you know, he's he's all over the place. Um, that should be really exciting for the Chiefs. And I think this linebacker play, we've, Chanel coming along, now you've got Nick Bolton. And I was listening to the press conference with Steve Spagnuolo from this week, and he was talking about how during that Jacksonville game, they even had uh, uh, Drew Tranquil come in and play at the mic a little bit. And they had planned for that because they knew they were going down out of Florida. They knew it was going to be really hot. And they, they wanted to be able to rotate some guys in and keep Nick Bolton fresh. That is, that is a mark, I think, too, of the depth of this team. And one of the reasons why I think they're taking a step forward. Because you can bring another linebacker in and he can be your Mike linebacker and, and, and lead that defense. That's tremendous. So Leo Chanel for me, though, is, has, has really stood out. And then I got to say George Karloftis. He was a guy that we needed this year with the pass rush situation to really keep his momentum going from the end of last year. And he's done it. He was good against the Lions. He was very good against the Jaguars. And if he continues to be that guy on a week-to-week basis, like if he's able to consistently generate pressure like that and get tackles for a loss with Chris Jones on the field, that's, you know, he can be Robin to Chris Jones' Batman. Yeah. One of the things I want to point out about this defense is its intelligence. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the the Chiefs made a concerted effort to kind of weed out the knuckleheads a little bit and really prioritize guys with high football IQs, uh, strong teammates. And even though I've been somewhat critical of Justin Reed's play, the communication and the harmony you see in the secondary is just unreal whether it was the guys on the athletic podcast or, or Baldy, you heard media NFL experts throughout the league talking about these guys are playing a beautiful brand of football. They're, they're, you know, passing uh, coverage off seamlessly and just all on the same page. You see that with the linebackers too. I saw a clip of on that Trevor Lawrence boot, that ill-advised Trevor Lawrence boot on first and goal from the one where Bolton was communicating with Sneed about him getting out wider. So they just seem to be on the same page in a way I don't think we've seen uh, for really throughout the Mahomes era. Maybe maybe the Honey Badger gave them a little bit of that because I, th- I think in that Buffalo shootout, that famous shootout when he went out, you saw what that defense was like when he was not on the field kind yeah. of being being the, uh, the maestro or the conductor. So I just want to preface that by giving the entire defense kudos for really playing like a unit. Uh, yeah. For me, it's Felix and Udike Uzoma. It's FAU. Yeah. While he is not quite on the level of obviously Chris Jones, but probably even Karloff this yet, I think he has the potential to be the best edge on the team. And he has an ingredient that this defense lacked and sorely needed. And that's speed. He's, he's got, you know, he's a speed rusher. He's got some bend. PFF ranked him as their second best rookie edge last week. And in limited flashes, I think he's popped some. So I'm impressed with him because he, another smart player, he's got a good motor. And I think when he, when he improves his power, give him a year or two to improve his power. He's the kind of edge that could have 
a full toolbox. And as much as I like Karloftis and, and a mini too, I don't know that those guys can have, you know, the entire toolbox. So that's why I'm so high on FAU. And then I just have to go back to Trent McDuffie because he is ahead of schedule. We all knew he was going to be a very good corner, but the fear was, is he too small? Yeah. And I don't think he is every once in a while against a big receiver, it might rear its ugly head, but his movement skills, his intelligence, his athleticism, his instincts, it's all there. And, and like I said, he's ahead of a schedule. He's, I don't know that he's quite in that top tier with Ramsey and Sertain and sauce Gardner, but he he's a tier below already. And I think, I don't know that he's going to be as good or better than any of those guys, but I think he will be at the bottom of that tier. You know, one of the, six to 10 best corners in the league. And if you have that kind of guy, uh, the other thing I pointed out, you compare him to Marcus Peters, who one week is the best corner in the league. The next week, he's the worst. That's never going to be Trent McDuffie. I think Trent McDuffie is going to be a clockwork corner, which is ultra, ultra rare and has a lot of value. He's, he's great blitzer. He, he can play in the slot. So you can do a lot of the things that you can do a sneed. He doesn't have the length. But uh, yeah, that's that's my guy. So he's also extremely intelligent. One thing that I think is smart for you to do, you know, we all not everybody has the time, but if you're able to just go, you know go to CaseyChiefs.com and when they bring these guys up to the podium, you can really get a little bit of a look inside their head in these interviews. And you know how media interviews go; a lot of times they're just basic and they're trying to avoid questions, tough questions and stuff. But sometimes you can really glimpse at how how a player sees the game and and their intelligence level when it comes to it. And and McDuffie's one of those guys. When you hear him talk about the way the Chiefs play defense, it just instantly like you're, you're like this guy really knows what he's talking about. He speaks about the game very clearly. He makes really interesting points. So he's definitely worth checking out um, over at KCChiefs.com. Catch some of those interviews. I also saw Jawan Taylor get interviewed. The, uh, this week as well. And he really did a nice job of just standing there and taking some heat um, and staying focused on what he needs to do to just get better and to help his team. And I thought uh, that was really admirable. Not, not easy to be the new guy in town, have a rough start and then have to face the, I, I don't think he's had a rough start. We can get to that, but I think this whole thing is, is utterly ridiculous. That's a lot of penalties, man. I mean, it, you can't it, hurt the it, team it, that it, way. It, it is a lot of penalties, but I thought he was the team's best pass blocker, and that's been validated by other people. I also think, what do you expect when Chris Collinsworth goes on national TV on an island game on opening night? Literally everybody in the football world is watching this thing. Oh, he's a slot receiver. It, it was funny, but they just kept obsessing about it. So yeah. he comes into Jacksonville. He's already hyped up because it's his old team and he wants to prove to them that they made a mistake and he's a marked man. You know, yeah. I, I can tell you those officials went in that game saying we have to flag this guy a couple of times because we have to, we have to send a message to the league. We have to make an example out of this guy. And I, th- I thought they did that. And when you're dealing w- with all that, I think it's, that's a lot on his plate and, and only his second game in the system so I think he's going to be okay. He's a good player. He may have to kind of uh, reconfigure a little bit and walk back some of those edges that he takes advantage of. He might not be able to, to game things quite as much as he has been, but he's still got fantastic footwork. He's still a very 
uh, he's a dancing bear out there. So I, I think it's been overblown a little bit. I think he's a good player and he's, he's going to be fine. I mean, if Andy Heck, the offensive line coach, figured out Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr. last year, at this point, that was a four-alarm fire. This is like a, you know, this is like a two compared to that. And by the playoffs, those guys were humming. They played great in the Super Bowl, zero sacks. This, this unit's going to gonna gel. I think that's a great point. I was very down on him, mainly because of the penalties and the holding and, and things from, you know, when, when, when you're at a point where the coach takes you out of the game to just let you catch your breath and reset, there's obviously something going on. And Andy said it in his press conference this week, too. He said, he's, yeah, he's got to get that figured out. Um, no player. And, and what I believe Juwan Taylor said in his, his interview was no player is no player is is big enough for a penalty. Right. Like no, nobody can get away with Chris Jones, Patrick Mahomes. You can't be hurting the team. So, you know, it's fine. Like it's early in the season trial by fire. I I agree with you. I think he's a good player, particularly his, he's not the best run blocker and, and, and neither is, is Donovan Smith, but what those guys are there to do is protect Patrick Mahomes. That's, that's their first, second and third job. So um, if they can do that, they, they can be fine as, as average or slightly below, below average. Run and, and that's the thing. Patrick Mahomes has his, his pressure to sack rate is second lowest in the league. Uh, only Jimmy Garoppolo, the human panic machine <laughs> has a lower um, sack, sack to pressure rate. So he's not, they're keeping his uniform clean. And a lot of that is Pat himself. He's just so masterful as a scrambler, his pocket presence, just everything he does, but he's not getting sacked and, and he invites pressure. So that's a combination. That's just amazing that with two new tackles, he is still basically the best player in the league and not getting sacked. Yeah. And, and even last year, Andrew Wiley's pass block win rate was pretty good. And he had given him been credited for giving up sacks, but some of that, you know, um, who was it over at ESPN? Uh, Bill Barnwell was was really smartly pointing out last year. Hey, like sometimes it's a little bit on Mahomes. Like it's just hard to play with a guy like Mahomes who he will hold on to that football. He will try to make something happen. He'll roll out of the pocket, and sometimes those guys get caught out of position. Well, guess which way he rolls? He rolls to his right, um, and so that can be a little bit of a problem for the tackle. So Juwan's got to learn that too. He's got to learn what's my guy back there doing. So you know, it's not. I saw some people saying like, you can't make excuse, like, it's not excuse making. He knows what he has to get done. He gets paid a lot of money to not make mistakes, but we have to sit back and be reasonable viewers and say like, okay, if we're, you know, if, if if he's having penalty problems in mid October, then, you know, we should worry. But I think right now it's, it's been two games, you know, we got to let things gel a little bit. It's a fixable problem. You yeah. know, if his technique was bad, if he was getting overpowered or he looks slow out there, those are not as fixable problems. But penalties, he's not a, a penalty-prone player. Now, Donovan Smith, on the other hand, definitely. But I'm not as worried about Jawan Taylor. So this, this whole thing about the three different things he does, about where he lines up, getting the early jump, you know, fidgeting with that back leg, Four weeks from now, nobody will be talking about this. I can guarantee you. It's just the way media cycles work. And uh, you mentioned the if it's a it's a fixable problem. Whereas like Orlando Brown Jr. being slow, like 
he was he's going to struggle with speed rushers for the rest of his career. He's just it just is what it is. He should be playing right tackle. Uh, it wouldn't be as big of a deal if he was playing right tackle, but that's a whole other thing. And that's he's the Bengals problem now. It's the Bengals problem. So um, one of the, many of Bengals uh, well, problems. They got a lot of problems. I you know I every year we hear about how the Bengals fix their offensive line, and and every year we hear about how the Bengals offensive line is not fixed. Kind of. I'm amusing. I'm listening. It's the new. It's the new. The uh, Chargers are going to win the AFC West. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, I got stuff to say on the Chargers. Uh, listen, folks. Um, if you like the Arrowhead Addict podcast or this is your first time here, please consider becoming a member of the Arrowhead Addict family. Members get special emojis, loyalty badges on uh, the live YouTube streams. They also get an invite to our private Discord where we hang out and uh, AA hosts are in there. We talk about Chiefs football, movies, beer. So much more. Members get invites to private events with the hosts, like virtual happy hours, just to talk ball. We got a fantasy football league. So check out the link in the description. Uh, it's a great way to support the show. It's a way for us to to bring uh, special guests on to invest, to expand the podcast. We invest every penny of this show right back in to making the Arrowhead Attic podcast better. Um, and we're always working on new things. So if you want to become part of our community that we're building of like-minded Chiefs fans, it's great. We'll be in there in the Discord tonight watching the Thursday night football game, talking ball. Uh, consider becoming a member and, and, and support the things that, that you enjoy and that you care about, if you're able to, if you have the means. Of course, plenty of free content. Most of the content is free. But you also get, if you sign up, I think at the, at the lowest level, you get access to a newsletter that Adam writes every week. And it is... A fantastic, like if you want to be smarter about the Chiefs and just like the NFL in general, Adam is a terrific, terrific writer. That's how he got his start when he founded Fanside with his brother. It's uh, it's worth it just to sign up to get this newsletter, frankly. Um, and then you get access to some of the other stuff as well. Okay, let's get into, uh, before we get into the Bears game though, uh, I wanted to, oh, actually, no, we're there. I thought I had another topic here. Chiefs versus Bears. The Bears are a dumpster fire, Adam. Holy shit. I mean, what yeah, is going your, on over there? Your buddy, Mark Carmen. I was afraid he was going to jump off the, the Sears Tower. That's Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, they call it something else now, but everybody still calls it. The, it's, the, the, it's uh, I don't know, it was Hancock, I think, and then they changed it to something else. But it's the, oh, it was Willis. That's right. Yeah, it's the Willis Tower now. It, the, the, the Willis Tower is, is the X to yeah, Twitter. I was going to say the same thing. You know, we're, <laughs> we're not calling it X. I don't care yeah. how much money you spend on branding. We're calling it Twitter and we're calling it the Sears Tower. But he seemed very concerned. He was talking about 0-17. So that's the state of things in Chicago. And it's not a particularly good team to start with. They, they have a weak roster. Now it's a little bit better than it was last year, mostly just because of Darnell Wright and DJ Moore two very good additions, but it's still, uh, I don't think they have the right coach for, for that team. I think what you're seeing with Anthony Richardson in, in Indianapolis where they picked the perfect coach for the quarterback, you're seeing how well that works and you're seeing how poorly it works when you don't do it in Chicago. Yeah. I go back and forth on this. Now, you know me, right? I'm Mr. Ohio State. I always have my 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 full-size sign Buckeyes helmet here handy. Um, so I'm rooting for Justin Fields. I have been ever since he came in the NFL. I've got him on my fantasy team. He's a talented guy. 
when he was at Ohio State, he he struggled a lot with second reads and anytime anybody got any pressure on him. And it's difficult, I think, sometimes when you're a quarterback at a, at a program like Ohio State or Alabama and you get to the NFL because your team is – particularly Ohio State because the SEC is better than the Big Ten. Your team is so good. You only have a handful of games in your career where you're getting harassed and pressured in the way that you are every week in the NFL. And, you know, you go out there and you're playing Rutgers or whatever, and you're just steamrolling these teams and it's easy and guys are wide open because you're t- Ohio State has so much more talent than, than most of the other teams in the Big Ten. When you get to the NFL, it's a struggle. And when Fields got to the NFL, people were like, it's, you know, everybody was blaming Matt Nagy. It's Matt Nagy's fault. You know, he's not using First of all, they, they were mad that he wasn't putting him in there. And then he put him in there and he was terrible. And then when he was terrible, everybody was like, well, it wasn't Justin Fields' fault. It's Matt Nagy's fault. Fast forward, new regime. La, you know, or last year, Nagy was still there last year, right? Yeah. Nagy was there last year. Yeah. No, no, no. Last year, Nagy was, Nagy was back last year. Eberflus <clears throat> uh, e- got hired last year. That's right. Right. So last year, new regime. And he's out there playing and he's still pretty terrible, right? Like he, we all know what he can do with the ball in his hand, but like they're not winning games. The only way they can compete is, is him running around like a, ch- with a, like a chicken with his head cut off and taking horrible hits all over the place. And, and the, the narrative about Justin Fields was he doesn't have the weapons. The offensive line is terrible. Okay. So now we go and we get him offensive line help. We get him, you know, uh, weapons, to throw the ball to and he goes out there and he's still terrible. And now I turn on get up and Mike Greenberg is on there. And I like Mike Greenberg, but he's like, it's the bears. It's the coaching. It's like, I don't know what it is about Justin Fields. Maybe it's just because people see that he has so much raw talent, but at a certain point, it's gotta be Justin Fields fault. Like there are weapons out there. Yes. Could maybe he be used better? Sure but he's missing wide open reads. He's making bad decisions. So like, you know, I just think, I think Justin Fields is just not a very good NFL quarterback. It doesn't mean he can't develop. We've seen Josh Allen was atrocious when he got into the league and he got with the right coach. And now you're still seeing though, right? Brian Dable moves on and, and Josh Allen's struggling a little bit. He's still good but he's struggling a little bit. So coaching does matter and coaching can help a player like Justin Fields. But I think, I think people need to stop giving him excuses at this point. He's been in the league a long time. I mean, and you can't be this bad throwing the ball. He can't do anything. I think a lot of it is coaching though. Some of it has to be on just himself, but the offensive coordinator, was it Luke Getze? Uh, They're focusing on things like changing his footwork and don't don't do that. Don't try to make Justin something he's not. And as far as the running goes, don't worry about him being a ten year quarterback. Yeah. If he's a great four or five quarterback year quarterback, hell, three year quarterback that, that's very good and puts them into playoffs. That's better than Chicago's practically ever had. Probably is better than they've ever had. So I wouldn't try to make him change his stripes. They should do what they're doing with Daniel Jones in New York. Make things very simple and quick for him. Yes. You know, not a lot of reads. Either you hit your first read most of the time or you take off. That's it. Yep. Just just keep it really simple. Maybe maybe a second read, but you have an internal clock. He just holds on to the ball longer than any player in the league. 
and he yeah. doesn't have Mah- the Mahomesian instincts. Like he doesn't have the eyes in the back of his head that Patrick does. I mean, who does? But like something on what was the stat? Forty-seven percent of his dropbacks have a pressure. That's just unsustainable. He just takes too many sacks, and I think it's a progression issue. And I don't think he's ever going to totally fix his inability to make progressions because, unfortunately, he played at Ohio State where they don't really focus on that, and the receivers are so goddamn good you don't have to because they all get open at will. I mean, look, every time someone comes out, uh, each new rookie class – the newest Ohio State receiver is better than the last one who who looked like a, a pro bowler himself. You know, you yeah. go from like McLaurin to Alave and Wilson, and now you have Jackson Smith and Jigba, and, and Marvin Harrison's better than all of them probably. Right, so. right. Yeah, Olave and Garrett Wilson said Jackson Smith and Jigba was the best receiver on the team. And then and then that behind him comes Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, they're just they're 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 a wide receiver factory. I agree with you. I think in fields has got to what has worked for guys that help. I think it helps them develop when they can be free and play, play their style of ball. And when they got Josh Allen, guys like Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, Jalen hurts were run first when they got them running and using their athleticism. It, it messes with the defense. It frees things up for them in the secondary because people are afraid they're terrified of them running. But right now, I think I do think that the Bears' current coaching staff saw the the you know saw the abuse he took last year, and they were like, "We don't want him to get hurt. So we we need to make him a better passer." But at the expense of more design runs for him, and and I think what you're saying, and I I do agree with this, if he if he run first now, that's going to open up the passing stuff for him. It's going to make him a more confident passer. And if I'm the Chiefs in this game, to kind of turn it back towards towards obviously the team we're here to talk about. If I'm the Chiefs in this game, look, the, the spread is like, uh, well, let me, let me set the primer for you. So it's Chiefs minus 12 and a half. They're huge favorites. The over-under in this game is 47.5. Bears are 0-2. They lost to the Packers 38-20 to in Jordan Love's first, like, you know, taking over for, not his first start, but taking over for Aaron. And then they lost to the Bucks and Baker Mayfield. 27 to 17. I think Mayfield threw for over 300 yards in that game. Their defense is terrible and they can't get anything going on offense. And this is not exactly like both the Bucks and the Packers have respectable defenses, but it's not like you're going up against murderers row on offense with either of those teams and those quarterbacks. So the chiefs should be fine in this game. But my word of caution for Kansas city is watch out for Justin Fields in this game, because after this start, something's got to give all the heats on Chicago and they could come in this game and just be in total meltdown mode. And then, you know, like Mark was saying, Oh, and 17, but my guess is in this game, Justin Fields is going to start running like crazy. And I don't care if you're prepared for it or not, that dude in the open field is a handful. So the chiefs just better be ready and and focused on him and not just expecting that they're just going to be garbage in this game. Cause I, I reckon he'll run more in this game than he has in any game this season. Yeah. And I think both Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields, they are wounded cornered animals right now. Their yeah. NFL future hangs in the balance. Yeah. You know, he, Eberflus might have to go back to being, he might never get another head coaching shot again. He probably won't 
if this doesn't work out, especially as a defensive guy. And then Fields, he might be relegated to backup status for his entire career. I mean, Marcus Mariota was picked higher in the draft than him. So was Jameis Winston. It doesn't matter if you have that first round draft capital, especially when the Bears have uh, multiple first round picks. So I think he's fighting for his career. Both the quarterback and coach are, and they know they're outgunned. So they might do stuff like a fake punt on their own 18. That's what happens when you're the Chiefs. Other teams come in feeling outgunned, knowing they don't have the offensive artillery to keep up. So they just throw everything but the kitchen sink at you. And and sometimes uh, that can be tough from a Kansas City perspective. But I think I'm less worried about this game than I would be if Aaron Rodgers was healthy because uh, that would have been a look-ahead game for mm-hmm. next week. Sunday Night Football, the first Aaron Rodgers-Patrick Mahomes matchup. Now, an aside here, kind of a tangent. The football gods are robbing us. They do not want this Mahomes-Aaron Rodgers matchup to happen because yeah. the first time we had Mahomes dislocates his knee. Yep. So Rodgers plays, he doesn't. The second time, Rodgers gets covid and both these guys barely missed any games. I think Mahomes missed two, Rodgers missed one. And now the third time, Aaron Rodgers lasts about, you know, gone in 60 seconds, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it, it, it seems like it may never happen. And it's really sad, honestly. It, it is because we were, we were fortunate to get to see Mahomes and Brady go at it a number of times. And Unfortunately, Brady got the better better of Pat in the Super Bowl. I don't really blame Mahomes too much for that. But, you know, it was a pretty good battle between the two of them at that point. Obviously, Brady was had all the years under his belt, and Mahomes was still kind of coming into his own. It'd be great if they were a little closer together. Uh, it, but, you know, it's just how it works out. But, you know, Rodgers is a recent two-time back-to-back MVP like that. You know, he's coming to the Jets. We were hoping he'd sort of have a little bit of a revival and and be entertaining. It just we just may never see it. And it's one of those ones where we'll, you know, we'll look back and we'll we'll be thinking about the, you know, the Mahomes and Burrow matchups and Mahomes and Allen, Mahomes and Hurts, probably, you know, but we won't get we won't get it's a little bit the Brady Mahomes thing's a little bit like uh like Jordan played Kobe, like when he was with the Wizards, right? Did, did they ever yeah. play when he was on the Bulls? I don't think so. I, I don't think so. No. But the other thing is they were both, I think maybe a couple of years in a row, final four teams, both in the conference championship. And it looked like we could get a Super Bowl between those two teams and just, just never happened. But look yeah. at us overlooking the bears. Like we don't want our, <laughs> our chiefs to do. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I don't think they, I don't think they will. Uh, I think it is a get right game. Yeah. And here you have which offensive players need to step up for the Chiefs to win. This is kind of a cop-out for me, but I'm going to say Travis Kelsey because we haven't seen Travis Kelsey look like himself yet this season. He was out in week one against the Lions, in week two against Jacksonville. He was kind of playing on one leg out there, just didn't have his his normal zip. Uh, You could tell because he wasn't as open as he normally is outside of that touchdown. And I think when he when he really has it going and he's in his element, that makes it so much easier for Mahomes, of course, but Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, all of the receiving core. 
all of the running backs because that has to be the defense and the defensive coordinator's priority because he is just maybe the most intuitive route runner, I want to say maybe in NFL history. Yes, and teams have been playing a lot of zone against the Chiefs this year, and I think that's where you're really missing Kelsey, and that's where you're – because the Chiefs have athletic receivers, but that's where you're really missing Kelsey because there's nobody better than Travis Kelsey at finding that soft spot in the zone, sitting down, playing intuitively and off script with Mahomes and knowing where to be. They're fantastic at it. I will say we do need Kelsey. I don't know what the state of his leg is in. Uh, hopefully it's not going to be something that lingers and bothers him all year. I heard no sleeve today. No sleeve. That's great. Sounds promising, right? That's good to hear. Um, and maybe Getting a little bit possible. of that, that Taylor Swift, you know, <laughs> that, that can't, that can't hurt. Right. He's going to no. be feeling pretty good about himself. <laughs> no. And remember Kelsey hadn't played and they played in that second preseason game. And then that was it. Um, yeah. So he had been off for like a month. Um, I think in this one though, if, if Travis still needs some time to work back into it, somebody's got to emerge here. I don't care who it is, but Travis Kelsey's not going to be around forever. Unfortunately um, on the chiefs, hopefully he lives a very long and fruitful life with, with Taylor Swift and their family, <laughs> but um, somebody has to step up to be. And I think that that was where with teams playing a lot of zone, you know, afraid to play man against Patrick Mahomes, right? So teams play a lot of zone against them. That's why Juju was able to shine with the Chiefs last year because he also was really good at finding those spots in the zone. And Pat and Pat, he became like that Travis Kelsey 2.0 for Mahomes, and he would go to him. And then Juju's pretty athletic, and he could make some things happen right after the catch. And, and Sammy like, was like that too. Sammy was like that too. That's right. Um, those guys could block. So. The Chiefs just haven't kind of figured it out yet. And I was looking at their snap counts and they definitely had dialed back a little bit. Like, unfortunately, Rasheed Rice didn't get as many snaps, but it seemed like Andy was trying to take our advice from the first show of the year, which was like, hey, like, just settle down on all the rotating and just like let let the offense get into a rhythm. I don't care who you put in there, but like let these guys, let Pat and get on the same page with, um, you know, these guys. Watson, by the way, is the number one receiver on the Chiefs right now. Justin Watts, did you see that one coming? No, I, I'm not as big as fan. I've probably been a little too hard on him, but I think the issue here is he's he's very redundant to MVS, right? He's not a guy with a complete route tree. He is kind of a big downfield burner who's a good blocker and is never going to have a 1,000 yards. I mean, it's just impossible for him. And I feel like both Justin Watson and Marquez Valdez-Scantling are Band-Aids. And Andy kind of wants to eat his cake and have it too. He wants to develop young receivers, but he doesn't want to endure the growing pains that you have to endure when, when you have young receivers. So he's playing these guys just in specific packages outside of NVS, who had an 82% snap count last week. Uh, Sky Moore was the highest at 58. Then you had... Kadarius Tony like at 30%, and he's getting the ball a third of the time he's on the field, which it's kind of like, hello, you're, you're telegraphing a bit. Rasheed Rice is barely playing. And then you're, you're throwing Justin Ross out there for nine snaps and, and Richie James out there for four snaps or something. Those are just wasted snaps. You can't do anything with those snaps. 
there's no other like who am I to go against Andy Reid? But in this instance, 31 other coaches don't do this. They don't they they stick to three or four guys and almost everybody's over 70% snap count. And that allows those players to get in a rhythm with the quarterback. I don't know. My hope is that he just hasn't figured out the rotation and needed more time than the preseason to figure out who his three or four guys were. Yeah. Yeah. Gearhead64 in the chat says, who else is bummed so far about how much Rice and Ross are used? Not shocked, but dang. Yeah, look, I never thought Ross was going to get a lot of play in this offense this year. Um, maybe as the, as the year goes on or if there are injuries. It's just you have to remember he's a little bit of a project. He's, he's extremely talented, and I hope they start using him more, but they saw this guy every day in practice. You know, he dealt with the injuries. Like, he's basically a rookie. He's got to have some time to acclimate. You know, you don't want to ramrod too many new guys down but, Patrick Mahomes' throat. Right. You know? I, but, 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 like, Rasheed Rice, you know, you invested a, a, a second-round pick in. And when he's in the game, Mahomes seems to go to him almost immediately. There's definitely – it reminds me a little bit of Watson last year. Like Mahomes kind of trusted Watson and, and you heard reports and he liked him. I think he's got a little bit of that going with Rice. I think this Richie James injury maybe is a little bit of a blessing in disguise for Rasheed Rice, I'm hoping. Um, I don't want wish a, any injury on any Chiefs, and I think the Chiefs need Richie James, especially in special teams, but it might help clear things out a little bit for some of these guys. Sky Moore is going to get his snaps. I think the chiefs at least right now are still really committed to making sure that he develops this year and give him credit. It wasn't an overwhelming game last week, but he made two very key plays for the chiefs. He caught the touchdown pass and he kept moving and helped them seal the win and he caught the damn ball. So that's what you want to see. If he keeps doing, if he keeps making plays, Pat's going to trust him. His confidence is going to grow and, and by the end of the year, maybe he's the clear number one. Um, for me, I think they have to go ahead. I was just going to say, for me, for my 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 players that need to step up, it's it's Sky Moore. Uh, I think that he's he's in his second year in the offense. He's the young player. He's the ta- young talented player. I think it's unfair to expect Rasheed Rice to 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 be better than Sky Moore this year, right? Because Sky he's Moore is actually older though is, yeah, is, but like, is an interesting wrinkle yeah he just but he doesn't have a year of nfl experience in this offense so this is it this is sky moore's he was drafted in the second round he kind of had a, a an experienced red shirt year he's supposed to be the guy that like he's he's got to deliver for this team he's getting the most snaps and a lot of routes out there um did didn't come through for them in that first game against the Lions. okay fine you came he came through for them against the Jaguars and he was huge and they needed it. Tony has a toe injury, like Sky Moore. He's got to step up. And then, and then Juwan Taylor, we already talked a lot about him, so I won't go on, but just clean penalties. You know, this offense isn't in a place right now where it can afford negative plays. It needs to move forward. And this is the get right game for the chiefs on offense. This bears defense is atrocious. If the chiefs can't get going in this game, they're in trouble because that New York Jets defense, as bad as they're maybe going to be on offense with Zach Wilson next week, is the real deal. And they're going to give the Chiefs problems, and it would be great if Kansas City could come into that game with confidence and feeling like they got their groove back a little bit. Yeah, and if you have James out, and especially if you have Tony out, I would use this as an opportunity 
to get Rasheed Rice going a little bit more. I'm going to add him as another guy here. He actually, yes, he is a rookie, but he actually leads the team in, in among wide receivers in PFF grade. Now, if you don't like PFF, that's fine because he leads the wide receiver room in, in yards per route run. He's been the most efficient receiver we have. He doesn't look like a rookie out there. So Sky Moore last season running the wrong routes, didn't really have a good feel for zone, wasn't on the same page as Pat Mahomes. That is not Rasheed Rice. He does not look like a rookie out there. He looks like kind of the the spiritual successor to Sammy Watkins and Juju Smith-Schuster. He's out, he he kind of looks like both of them when he gets the ball and he led he led all receivers in yak during the preseason. I just think Andy should maybe look at Rasheed as not your typical rookie because he looks to have already forged a connection with, with his quarterback. And he has a good feel that frankly, Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore don't have as natural of a feel for the game. I think that's a great point. I mean, he does have a little bit of that juju in him from last year. It just, it just feels that way. Right. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. It, it, it's a long, it's a long season. It's, it makes sense that this veteran coaching staff is going to lean on the veterans early and doesn't want to go too crazy with the young guys, but as they gain trust and reps, they may start getting more and more responsibility, but they got to make plays when, uh, when the, when the time comes. Yeah. And if you're not worried about losing and I, I, you know, no offense to the bears, but I don't think they will feel very threatened during this game. Just kind of reminds me of, when the Rams came to town last year and just a shambles, I just don't think this team's going to be a threat. And that's a perfect opportunity to get, and and maybe even on the defense, get FAU more snaps than than normal, get some of these young guys more action when the bullets are flying and get them ready for the, uh, the eventual stretch run. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's flip to the defense side of the ball. Who on the defense for you needs to step up for the chiefs for them to take care of the bears here. I spoke about it earlier, but I just think it's the overall run defense from Derek Nottie and those guys up front to the four linebackers. Uh, Drew Tranquil is not very good against the run. We know that. But the other three guys uh, all have some down downhill thumper in them. And then guys like Justin Reed and our corners who, who tackle well. They're going to have to corral Justin Fields, who uh, – He's a little bit of a tank. He, he may not be as big as Cam Newton or Anthony Richardson, but he's like Jalen Hurts. He's a very physical runner. He's not Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. So they're going to have to tackle and, and communicate. Uh, as much as I love DJ Moore, I'm not that scared of him considering who's throwing the ball. So I'm just going to say the overall run defense here. Yeah, and how can you be scared of DJ Moore? He's a good player, and the Chiefs need to make sure they tackle him when he catches the ball because he's he's a threat with that with that yak. But I mean, you just went up against Amon Ross St. Brown and then Calvin Ridley. Like you're you know with better passers. Better passers. Right. No question. So, um poor DJ Moore, by the way, just stuck in quarterback purgatory his entire career and yeah thinks he's going to get out of it and things are kind of going sideways so yeah feel bad for that dude feel bad for his his fantasy owners um (laughs) for me 
Uh, it's Nick Bolton. I know he's a little banged up. Hopefully he'll play. Um, but that, you know, Nick Bolton, because if our prediction is right, and I thought the way you put it was so great, Justin Fields, the Bears, they're, 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 ba- they're caged animals backed into a corner right now. And there's no opportunity for flight. So it's going to be fight. I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Fields takes some nasty licks in this game um, from, from the Chiefs' safeties, from the Chiefs' linebackers, because I don't think he's going to be sliding a lot. I don't think he, I think he's going to be going head first. I think he's going to be trying to stay in bounds to get those extra yards. And it's just down to Nick Bolton as the leader of that defense to make sure everybody is where they're supposed to be and that they're spying Justin Fields um, and everyone's staying disciplined. And the corners are going to have to do their part too. You can't let go of, of, of Darnell Mooney. And then the next thing, you know, he's got, he's hitting you for a 60, 70 yard bomb because you got a little bit, you started cheating a little bit on Justin Fields. If, if I'm Steve Spagnuolo, I'm telling them, look, the only thing this, this, this offense can do is run with the quarterback. So don't be undisciplined here and give them a free touchdown because like, Fine. If he runs for 20 yards on one play and extends a drive, no problem. Um, let let him run a little bit if you need to. Um, be ready for it. He's athletic. He's gonna get you on some of those. But you can't let you can't give him an easy touchdown, a layup touchdown, because you're cheating too much. You're worried about the run. He's probably not gonna take it to the house on you if you play disciplined. And the Chiefs have a lot of experience going up against quarterbacks like this, right? I mean, they've had a much tougher task having to deal with Lamar Jackson in the past, having to deal with Josh Allen. They played Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl last year. So they're ready for this. This isn't like a foreign concept to them. Um and then no, uh, no, but you're right though. If they if they get caught napping, Justin Fields will take shots and yeah. Mooney Moore and Chase Claypool, who's an absolute knucklehead but is an athletic marvel, they all have the speed to do a house call. So, you know, as long as you don't have any mental lapses out there, that shouldn't be a problem, but we should acknowledge the speed they have in their wide receiver room. Yes. And then the other thing for me is it's about the second half. So I watched the bears in the preseason. And one of the things that they've been doing early in the year too, is they've been trying to do a lot of screens and dump offs and short passes. Everything Justin Fields throws is close to the line of scrimmage right now. That's not working because he hasn't, they haven't really been running him very much. And so that threat has been removed. And so teams are just, they're, they're eating that up. So if he does run a lot in the first half, the Chiefs need to be aware of that sneaky stuff in the second half, some of those screens and things where they try, they're trying to get the balls, the ball in the hands of their playmakers. But the other player in defense needs to, to do well, I think, in this game is George Karloftis. I just think if he can put together another really good game and help cause pressure now that Chris Jones is going to be collapsing the, the middle, if Carl Loftus can be there when Justin Fields tries to bail, the chiefs are going to be, they're going to be getting a lot of sacks and they're going to be walking away with an easy victory in this one, but it can't just all be Chris Jones all the time. Carl Loftus needs to step up, cause some pressure. Um, yeah, contain Justin Fields. That's that's the game plan, right? Yeah, their running backs, they have some talent there too. Khalil Herbert, uh, not a very good pass catcher, not a very good pass protector, but pure runner. He is talented. 
pretty good for a six round pick. I mean, I think he's a good player. And then Roshan Johnson, the rookie out of Texas, he's another good back. They even have Deonta Foreman, who as far as a third string back is about as good as it gets. So I expect them to do the old, let's try to, to hold the ball for 40 minutes and keep number 15 off the field. That's probably what I would do in their predicament. I don't think they'll be very successful in that because I think our defense is playing at a high level and we'll get them off the field and force some punts. But uh, that's what I expect them to attempt. One quick bonus topic for you. Do the Chiefs need to get Isaiah Pacheco going in this game early to help their offense get into a rhythm? I think they had two rushing attempts in the first half last year that were like non-Mahomes rushing attempts. And then you get in the second half and you know Pacheco breaks off a run. He's talented. He runs hard. Is this a game to like, hey, let's try to get a little bit more balanced. Let's let's start making things a little bit easier on our offense by by you know, giving it to this this really good running back. Depends on his health. And you're also probably asking the wrong audience here because I, I uh, I'm not exactly the the established the run type, but I, I I do think you can get away from it too much, obviously. Especially if teams it's bizarre. When the Chiefs go to twelve and thirteen personnel, most other offenses do that and they're seeing a lot of loaded boxes. The Chiefs do it. Teams stay in nickel. They, they're they like, yeah, we're going to let Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon uh, beat us because are you crazy? We're not going to give Patrick freaking Mahomes loaded boxes and let it, let him surgically pick us apart. So I, I think, yeah, sometimes you have to. And for me, it's kind of the kind of runs that are being called. They're mm. all kind of outside and stretch zone. And really, I like both the tackles. They are brought in to be good pass protectors, but they're not very good run blockers. The strength yeah. of, your, of your run blocking is that interior trio that's so good, Tooney, Creed, and, and – uh, Smith. Uh, yeah, and, and Trey Smith. So I, I think they need to, to uh, get a little bit more hard-nosed with the style of running plays they call. And I, I was thrilled to see on a uh, – was it a third and one or a fourth and one? I think it was a fourth and one. They called Pacheco's number instead of doing this, this belldozer bullshit or doing something crazy, it's like, hey, we have the best center in the league. We have a top five guard. Trey Smith is probably a top 20 guard. Let's not get too cute for our own good here. And uh, Pacheco, um, maybe not the most dynamic runner in the world, but he runs harder than anybody in the league. So I have a hard time believing that he can't pick up one yard at will behind those three guys. So yeah. I do think they need to um, just be a little bit more physical with the running game is the way I'd phrase it. Yeah. Agreed. Run right behind Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey every time, just dive right in there. Uh, I think they'll be fine. I really like what Pacheco, the energy he brings to this offense. I'd love to see him get a little bit more involved And they were, they, they have been involving him a little bit more in the passing game, which uh, we haven't, so we haven't seen as much Jarek McKinnon, but I, I think that could pay off down the road too, as he gets more comfortable in that role. They're putting okay. McKinnon on, uh, on layaway, you know, don't, don't expect to see a lot of him until it starts yeah. snowing. I would, yeah. I would, yeah. I would say trot him out at the end of the year and keep him healthy. Um, okay. Uh, make sure you hit that like button. We do this every show on my show, which is Patty's power rankings at the end of the show. That's when we rank, uh, something, 
just off the wall, football related, food related, whatever. Um, this is a fun one. And then after the power rankings, we'll give you our final score predictions before we get out of here. So make sure you stick around for that because we want to hear your predictions as well. But first, Patty's power rankings for week three. We're going to do this. This is this was uh, from from Derek, one of our members in the uh, in the Ring of Honor chat in our private Discord. He suggested, and I love this one, old school Saturday morning cartoons. So shout out to Derek for the idea. Uh, so your top three old school Saturday morning cartoons. Adam, what's your number three? I'm just going to go with Garfield. Garfield. I was really young when I liked that, but I I uh, was a fan. I was a pretty big fan. So always made me laugh. Lasagna. That's right. La- lazy cat cartoon. I love it. Um for me, number three, I'm going to go with uh, one geared a little bit more towards the the smaller kids, the Smurfs, man. The Smurfs were just like completely unique, I think. Um, love the Smurfs. Gargamel, isn't that the bad guy? Gargamel is the bad guy. Papa Smurf. Um, one woman in the Smurf village. That's kind of weird. It's a little problematic um, for, for keeping I, the species alive and, and whatnot. <laughs> with, no, I think actually Smurfs were all boys and then... I think Gargamel created Smurfette to like try to somehow bring down the Smurfs. Um, As like a temptress or something. Something like that. Yeah. I don't remember what it was, uh, but he created Smurfette, but like Smurfette ended up becoming good or they, they turned her. I can't remember. We'll have to, if there's any Smurf historians out there, we're getting some good ones in there. Jimmy says Smurfs, Bugs Bunny, Garfield. That's a good one. Phantom says uh, Super Friends, Hong Kong Fui, Laugh Olympics. I don't know Laugh Olympics. Jesus Perez says Spider-Man. Obviously, Spider-Man's great. Um, all right. So what's your number two, Adam? Man, I'm trying to remember what's Saturday and what's not Saturday, but I'm just going to go with this. My number two is X-Men. X-Men was good. Yeah. Have you ever seen there's this guy on TikTok? He does these videos. Uh, he's a musician, and he does like – he opens all the videos with a little skit, and it'll be like it'll be like a Hollywood guy with sunglasses, and he's on his phone, and he's like – He's like, hey, Bill, just real quick, we need a um, we need a Saturday morning cartoon theme song for uh, it's a gang of superheroes. They have like mutant powers. Uh, it's Saturday morning, nothing too crazy. He doesn't need to go so hard. Just you know, whatever. And then he leaves, and then he plays the theme song from from X Men. You know, that theme song goes hard as hell. I don't care. You know, yeah, and. I'm really pumped because for Deadpool three, they're bringing back that kind of classic yellow and blue Wolverine look. Yes. Which, which is just iconic. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I love that show. So yeah, they wore that yellow and blue, like in the comics too, like early in like everything now has to be all like dark and like, um, yeah. Um, okay. So uh, number two for me, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So good in the nineties. Um, rock steady bebop april o'neill uh kang like shredder just i was a big michael angelo master guy. splinter master splinter yeah such a yeah good- I, I was a big Raphael guy that was that was my dude you but were Raphael. Th- interesting yeah this is how much zach and i uh liked um ninja turtles wait wait yeah. can i can i can i make a guess before you go any further because i don't want to get spoiled can I guess which turtle was Zach's favorite? Go ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to say. I hope I don't get this wrong. He's in the chat. So yeah. Yeah. He'll have to let us know. 
Was it Leonardo? Yeah, I think it was. I bet it was. I think it was. Yeah. Leonardo's, you know, uh, it's hard to go wrong there. So yeah. we took, we would take a, a turtle, <laughs> scrap his weapons and take a paint marker and change the color of, of the, the bandana and the armbands and like give them weapons from GI Joe's and give them new names. I think one of them was called Da Vinci or something. It was, uh, we, <laughs> you cool. know, that was before we did have Nintendo, but that was before we had cell phones and a billion channels. We had to actually use our imagination and kind yeah. of a novel concept, yeah. but yeah. Uh, that's awesome. I, yeah, I love it. I used to wrestle with like pillows, you know, when I'd watch WWF in the mornings. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Used and to my parents just do the news. macho man off the couch on like a throw yeah, pillow yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, you're number one. Batman, the animated series, just talk about iconic music. Yeah. Great, great voice work. Just the villains of, of, um, the, the Batman franchise are incredible. And they did some great story work there just for a cartoon. The thought, the, the like plotting of that show, uh, was just unreal. And I think that was kind of my last big cartoon that I loved. And then the one I'll revisit the most as an adult. So he says it was either Leonardo or, or Donatello. I think yeah. that's why I had a hard. So we kind of both took two. I was kind of Michael, Michelangelo and Raphael. And he was the other two it kind of fit our personalities. Yeah. I think there's, it's like, they're like the Beatles, you know, the, the turtles, like who, like Raphael, like do you have a little bit of an anger streak when you were younger? Yeah. Yeah. yeah see, I was Michelangelo, like fun, loving pizza, loved Michelangelo, the nunchucks. Um, I'm not surprised Zach was, was Leonardo or, or Donatello. Those are, those are my guesses for him. Um, okay. Number one for me. And by the way, I made a huge mistake here cause I, I put Smurfs in my number three and I totally forgot about the real Ghostbusters. So I'm bumping Smurfs and putting real Ghostbusters in there. I love the Ghostbusters. Absolutely loved it. Um, but my and number ex- one, Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't that show say, hey, people love Slimer. Let's just give them a shit ton of Slimer. Shit ton of Slimer. It's like oh. Orko on He-Man. Right. Like, Orko, it, it just, the Dave ramrodded it down your throat. I loved He-Man too, by the way. Thundercats. Um, there's a bunch of stuff we're missing here. Yeah, so many good ones. But number one for me, hands down, Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo had like everything I loved. I'm a big horror fan. I like scary stuff you know, ghosts and solving mysteries and riding around smoking weed in a van, like all the things I loved when I was seven years old. Um, big Scooby-Doo fan, w- loves Shaggy and Scooby. Uh, absolutely fantastic show. I think I saw some Scooby-Doo's in the chat. Uh, Jesus, Jesus Perez says, uh, best Joker, the animated one. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, Mar- Mark Hamill was the voice there. Yeah, um, Loki had, uh, I like the... Uh, the, the smart, the smart chick. So Velma was just crushing on, on, on Velma. Um, yeah. yeah, but I, I love the unmasking, you know, I would have gotten away with it too. If it wasn't for you damn kids, <laughs> it just yeah. never got old. And they brought in the Harlem Globetrotters. Yes. Remember those episodes? Just, yeah. uh, if you grew up loving basketball, I mean, that was, that was a weird thing that was just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Weird show, fun show. Uh, Jesus says no Flintstones. Flintstones was great. I love Flintstones. Uh, there were so many good, 
the bar is really high for like late 80s early 90s cartoons they were still drawing you know like it wasn't all cgi and stuff like that the writing was good i think it appealed to a, a lot of it appealed to adults uh as well so um, and we haven't even mentioned like the jetsons which just classic. just a just a classic uh yeah. by the way have you seen the new ninja turtles movie i've heard it's great i haven't i haven't i heard it's uh it's it's animated no yeah it's yeah. animated and they're yeah. actually mm-hmm. teenage is kind of the the concept because a lot yeah. of times when they they do teenage Mutant ninja turtles or spider-man on screen they're not right. kind of age appropriate from yeah. the comics so yeah i'll have to check it out um, i haven't seen it yet but i'm dying to see it yeah yeah uh i'm always down for for some more teenage mutant ninja turtles okay back to the chiefs before we get out of here game final score predictions you guys sound off in the chat if you're still with us after the cartoon discussion a few of you bounced i get it um let us know your final score prediction for for chiefs versus bears i think this is a pretty critical game for the chiefs they like you know it's a game they should easily win. There's a reason the spread is the way that it is, all that stuff. But seasons can, you know, even really good teams can have bad years and, you know, go, be in, be around 500. I don't think that's going to happen to the Chiefs. But they have struggled on offense. They've been great on defense. This is the game to just kind of get into their rhythm. Three games, the third game of the season, you'll play a Jets team on the road on Monday Night Football next week that you should beat. Maybe it's Sunday Night Football, but you should beat the Jets without Aaron Rodgers. This is a game to really – it's like an extended preseason game. Um, they've got a little bit of a gift here after playing two playoff teams to start the year. Uh, it'd be nice if you, they could have started against a team like this to figure themselves out, but that's okay. Uh, it's like when Alabama plays, you know, like the Little Sisters of the Poor, like the next to last week of the season every year. Um that's that's kind of what this game I think is going to be for the Chiefs. So um, we're seeing some scores coming in. Angry Drunken German says nineteen thirteen. Interesting. Brian Gale says Chiefs thirty one, Bears seventeen. Jesus Perez Chiefs twenty eight, Bears seven. KCDC thirty one thirteen. Jimmy says twenty three nine. What do you say, Adam? Thirty eight ten. This this is just one of these perfect storms of a team just melting down in various ways, their defensive coordinator is gone. Their head coach and their quarterback are, are kind of having some beef or at least some drama, it seems. And then an already kind of shaky offensive line with a quarterback who holds onto the ball too much just lost their left tackle when their right tackle is a rookie. And then they're going up against Chris Jones, who looks like he's in midseason form. I just think this is where the Chiefs get back to feeling like themselves where they assert their dominance and kind of send a message to the league, which I kind of think they need to do. There's a lot of people that are questioning, well, the Chiefs defense looks good, but their offense, maybe they're going to win differently this year. I'd love the offense to just come out and smoke these guys, send a message. And I think, I think they will. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm all on board for that. We got a few more scores in Zach best co-founder of Arrowhead addicts is 45, 13 chiefs. Jesus Perez says naggy revenge game. Yeah. It's the naggy bowl. Um, Look, man, the Packers beat this team 38 to 20. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat them 27 to 17. I God. think I, I think this game, I think this is the best team that the that the Bears have faced. They're going to Arrowhead in this one. Um, give me the Chiefs 42 to 6. 
I think this is like one of those games where they like they wall up the Raiders in this one and their offense gets back on track. I think Travis Kelsey goes off in this game. I think I they get the ball to Isaiah Pacheco late. I think he goes for over 100 yards. This offense, this defense, the offense is not good. The defense is worse. They're bad. And when Baker Mayfield's lighting you up for 300 yards, what is Patrick Mahomes going to do to you? If the Chiefs don't perform offensively in this game, I'm going to be worried about their offense. I'm not going to panic, but I'm going to be worried if they don't perform in this game. That's fair. That's fair. And you brought up Jordan Love playing well and beating the Bears and and looking better than, you know, Jordan Love looking better than Justin Fields. If you're a Bears fan and your franchise has never really had a true franchise quarterback and you're seeing Jordan Love looking good immediately off the bat after, whew, after Brett Favre and Rodgers, uh, how can you not want to stick your head in the oven? You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't blame him. This one's going to be over by halftime if the Chiefs take care of business and don't do anything stupid like turn the ball over. So Over uh, by the first quarter, like that, that Steelers playoff game? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if it'll be that bad. Uh, I think the Bears are going to come out, like you said, they're, they're, they're going to come out with some energy. Um, because they're they're backed into a corner, and so maybe they get a little drive early in the game with Fields running. But I think once the Chiefs calibrate to what they're doing on offense, uh, they'll go right back to. You know, it's one of those games where they, the Bears might have a good game script early in the game, and just because they're trying, they're throwing hail marys all over the place. But once they get back into what they they have been doing all year, it's over. It's over for the Chiefs. I just want us to get such a big lead that Andy Reid tries some crazy trick play. I don't know if it's a, a big man touchdown to Allegretti or, or what, Yeah, but uh, that's, that's the kind of lead I want them to build. Well, I'm waiting for the, uh, I'm waiting for them on a crucial fourth and one to, to do the Blake bell, uh, the Isaiah Pacheco to Blake bell to Creed Humphrey flea flicker. That's, that's all. <laughs> oh my God. If Creed Humphrey caught a touchdown, yeah. I think that would be like the greatest thing that could po- possibly happen for chiefs kingdom. They would just love it so much. Creed Humphrey, Creed Humphrey goes in there, lines up as eligible. They hand off to Pacheco. He runs it up the middle, pitches it back to Blake Bell, and Blake Bell just bomb. It's sad that Danny Shelton is gone because they were practicing some trick uh, plays with him throwing during training camp. I thought we might see the the Don Terry Poe sequel, right? Yeah, yeah, Don Terry Poe is – I think he's got a better passer rating than Brody Croyle. So who knew? Uh, <laughs> sorry to leave you on a rotten note mentioning some bad, bad memories. All right, everybody, we're going to get out of here. Uh, this has been a great show. Adam, thank you so much as always for, for joining me. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you to all of our members for your constant support, your messages in the chat, your ideas in the discord. If you want to become part of our crew, check out the link in the description below. And again, make sure you check out that deal that we have for DraftKings tonight using that code Arrowhead to get that uh, $200 uh, instant to instantly claim $200 in bonus bets um, and up to $150 back in bonus bets if your team loses. So it's good shit. Check it out. Uh, for Adam Best, for producer Richard, my name is Patrick Allen. We will see you. We'll be back on Sunday for the Chiefs pregame show, halftime show, and postgame show. So make sure you're subscribed to this channel. But until then, as always, go Chiefs.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.